Hey, Lewis here. I mean, obviously it's me, right? I'm the only guy who actually runs this freaking show. Anyways, I'm here to tell you about something that I'm working on that I'm really excited about. It's not going to be ready until later this year. However, I'm going to give you the lowdown on it so you can get it for free. Here it is. I am going to be releasing a podcast monetization masterclass. I've been spending the last few months on this, building it, refining it, even training my team on how to use this with our own clients. When it is out and finally published and ready, it will be anywhere from, I'd say, $47 to $197. I'm not sure what I'm going to price it at yet, and there will be a lot of bonuses that go with this course as well. However, the first 100 people who actually raise their hand, say they want it, and actually go through the course and give me good feedback are going to get it for free, okay? So if you want to be one of those 100 people, there will be a link to a page where you can sign up and add your name to it and your email, and then I will send you the 1.0 version of this course when it is out, all right? You'll be one of the first 100 people. Once I hit 100 people, I am shutting it off, and it will be a paid product, and that will be it, all right? So make sure if you want this course for free, be one of those 100 people because that is the only way you will be able to get it for free. All right, that is it. Now back to this episode. I would say, when can you start monetizing? Start monetizing when you truly believe you have devout people following your YouTube content. That is Sean Joseph, former head of business development for Tom Bilyeu from Impact Theory. Sean's done brand deals with companies like Amazon, Skillshare, Wix, BioOptimizers, Athletic Greens, and many, many more. And in this episode, you are going to learn where video podcasters and creators are leaving thousands of dollars on the table when it comes to brand deals, how to find your first brand deal as a video podcaster or creator, and how many listeners do you actually need before you should actually even consider getting a brand deal for your content. All that and a ton more action-packed gems. So let's dive in. Welcome to How to Get Your First 100,000 Podcast Listeners, where we talk about the very granular how-to tactics, as well as the big picture thinking you need to grow and multiply your listener base. My name is Luis Diaz. Let's dive in. Sean, I want to kick this off with understanding before I've got four really, really just specific questions around brands, around YouTube. Um, can you tell me a little bit about, you know, your, like what your company is called and then also like your, the biggest client you've worked with, I guess, to date? Absolutely. So my company is called Beyond Consulting. Uh, so what we are is a consulting firm that serves both YouTubers and brands uh, to help them uh, run the most effective and profitable YouTube partnerships. How I got introduced to this world was through my first mentor and happens to be my biggest client. His name is Tom Bilyeu. Uh, so for any of those uh, who watch Impact Theory, uh, Tom and Lisa Bilyeu, they started Quest Nutrition. Uh, they went on to start this amazing YouTube channel uh, where they really peel back the mindsets of some of the world's highest achievers. Uh, I worked for Tom uh, as a, a business development uh, executive for about two years. I uh, decided to start Beyond Consulting, and he asked to be my client. So uh, fun, awesome. fun story, fun happening. Uh, he taught me a lot, and then through that process, I uh, learned a lot about YouTubers and then also what brands specifically need to be looking for uh, to right. bring in partnerships. Awesome. Uh, that's an amazing opportunity there, I'll tell you that. So a lot of people I know would, would jump at the chance to to learn from him and work with him. That's that's a crazy, crazy awesome like kind of 
start into this world because he's such a smart dude. Um, both him and Lisa are both really smart individuals. So I want to cut right to it, Sean. You've you've worked with some of the biggest creators um, out there. You've worked with some of the biggest brands that I know of too in the in these kind of like influencer marketing or influencer slash brand deal space. In what you see with what you do, what do you think is like the biggest thing stopping most YouTube? And I'll include YouTube and podcast creators, so people who are putting out video and audio content from landing a brand deal. I think the biggest thing that's holding creators back from getting that brand deal, either the first or getting more, mm-hmm. is not being extremely intentional with what niche of brands that you're going after. So mm-hmm. uh, really the category of um, situations I see is your creators want uh, either, you know, they want to start uh, partnerships for the first time or they want to maximize the revenue by getting as many partners as possible. And while that's great in theory, what happens in the approach is it's very clunky, it's very imprecise, um, and you have a lot of uh, expectations not meeting the results that you really want. Because when you meet with sponsors, they're not 100% sure. Um, they can feel right that uh, you're genuine, that you want to be a part of uh, the partnership program. But what they're really looking for above all else is the highest possibility of getting that return on ROI. Yeah. Uh, so what I would say for creators is uh, spend 30 minutes, be extremely intentional about what brands you want to work with and why. And the way I would recommend to start is before you think about any brand, just spend 15 minutes writing down on a white piece of paper, what are all the things you absolutely love and actually use within your day? And then once you have clarity on what you actually use, map those use cases with brands that are already sponsoring on YouTube. That's another micro issue I see is a lot of uh, creators, they dream and envision of XYZ brand, which is fine. But if you really want to be as fast and efficient as possible, you want to take your actual interest and map with brands that not only advertise, but have done so particularly in the last 30 days. Uh, Because Mm -hmm. budgets, new brands entering the market, um, shifts in marketing direction change all the time. Uh, I would say those two specifically, right? Start with figuring out exactly what you use and then of what you actually use, go after uh, those brands that fit that case uh, who are already advertising. And then I would say, you know, the third piece is go ahead and and, and whittle down a list. Um, start with mm-hmm. get one, then get three, then get as many as you want. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people start with a catch-all approach. The first is to get that one. And if you already have that one, get three. And focus on getting the three while maintaining ROI for all brands. Because as you get deeper and more sophisticated into sponsorships uh, and driving revenue on your channel, what you'll notice is um, sponsors can recognize and they become savvy uh, about seeing how many sponsors you have on your channel, uh, right. new approximate timing, right duration, all the, the metadata around that. And what they really want to see is that you and them have an intimate connection and that you can build a long-term brand. So. Start with Mm -hmm. mapping yourself, figure out the brands that already do it, figure out that first ideal big fish client, big fish in the sense of they're a great fit for you. And then after that, scale to three, manage ROI across the board. And if you can do that effectively, sky's the limit. I love this. This, So this kind of takes me to really the next question that I think I've dealt, I I have definitely had in my mind, I'm sure other people have had in their minds as well, Sean, which is what do you see as a big no-no or a big red flag? when you maybe are negotiating from a brand side, if you're helping a brand find a, a creator, what are some of the biggest red flags, 
when it comes to negotiation or like mistakes that creators make when they're negotiating with a brand? If there are any one or three that come off top of your head in the past. I would say the biggest one as of late, I would say two jump out to me. The first is, and this is uh, speaking from the creator standpoint, uh, let me know, Liz, if, mm-hmm. if, if you want uh, the shift on the other side. But from the creator standpoint, the first one that jumps out is somewhat irrational jumps in CPM price based on short-term growth. So what I mean mm-hmm. by that is YouTube is a very dynamic, fun game from a creator standpoint. You get to make content on what you love and you get to take audience feedback and you get to grow at whatever pace um, your work ethic and your abilities allow. Right. There are times where a particular content piece may jump much, much higher right, than what you normally see. Outliers happen all the time. And yeah. what I notice, uh, specifically with some of the uh, creators between maybe the 50K to 250K subscriber more, is maybe when they have two or three videos that pop off really well, you'll see it a rationally high jump uh, in their CPM price which can really, really uh, make long-term relationships tough, can make meeting at ROI very, very tough with the brand. Um, the brand may still love you, but it's just really hard to continue because they don't know what to expect. Uh, right. And they also don't know, right, if you'll maintain that. So the first is, uh, you know, be reasonable about your pricing. And if you do over-deliver, um, see that as an amazing gift, but not necessarily as the first chance to raise price. I would say, mm. you know, if you can sustain that viewership or performance for six months, uh, you had the confidence of both sides. One, that you deserve that higher price point because it's been sustained. And two, for the brand, um, you want to think of them as your customer, that you can also sustain that ROI and they get higher performance, which entitles you right to to a higher rate, uh, gives you totally. that uh, ability right to, to negotiate on that. Totally. The second thing is overemphasis on fixed deals. Uh, so it's great right, to, to have a guaranteed price um, and uh, to be paid right, on the terms that that a creator uh, most desires. Uh, and that always will be, right? Uh, definitely understand that. But one of the things I see is either creators initially have no interest at all in a hybrid deal, or maybe they get an affiliate or commission structure, mm-hmm. uh, or they don't, uh, so maybe, you know, they, they don't, um, right, consider it at all, just flat out no. Uh, and the second is, uh, if they do, they don't really take that part of it seriously. Uh, either one of the cases, the reason being is there's so much opportunity left on the table. Uh, just purely from a deal making uh, standpoint, you don't you don't want to leave that opportunity on the table because it's risk free opportunity. You never yeah. know exactly how your video is going to perform, so it's always in your best interest, right, to negotiate on um, a, a possible higher upside with no risk to you or the brand because both sides win. Mm-hmm. That's the first benefit, right? Is uh, no risk and you can get paid higher more. And the second is. Um, any instance in which you can indicate higher ROI without um, making it tougher on the brand to manage their own budget is literally what the brand uh, you know craves and, and will love you deeply. I would say, right, you want to be assertive, right, but at the same time fair about your pricing. Uh, and you want to be strategic about that relative to the market. And the second thing is uh, never leave money on the table by writing off hybrid deals. Um, and just to put context to that, right, one of our mutual friends- yeah. Um, right, uh, working with him as a brand, uh, they did a purely hybrid deal uh, with a very, very devout creator about one of their uh, premium products. In one video, I think he independently made off commissions over a hundred thousand dollars, and the brand themselves made uh, over half a million. So, love it. The, the opportunities for structuring new deals is immense. Uh, mm-hmm. 
don't don't write off uh, commission structure. Uh, right. Give it a chance, and and also write negotiate ways in which you can get higher upside if you hit higher tiers of commission too. Mm. I think someone. So I know from my my standpoint, I'm listening to this. One thing I'm thinking of is is could you give an example of a hybrid deal, right? Like I'm sure most people are familiar to like the CPA deals where there's cost per acquisition, they get like 25% of the sale. And then the traditional sponsorship where it's like they pay people, you pay them three grand, pay, pay a, a creator three grand and they give you five videos, you know, five like, you know, ad slots in five videos or, and then maybe some email blasts or something like that. The hybrid, I'm assuming it's a mixture of both of those where they get some pay, some fix and then some like commission base, correct? Correct. I would say, um, so a hybrid consists of two parts. Uh, fixed component and a variable component. So the fixed component is whatever ad price you determine is fair for your slot. So uh, similar mm. to podcasting, right? Uh, probably general rule of thumb in YouTube uh, is right now maybe about 20 to 30 CPM. Um, so right uh, for every thousand views you get on your content, uh, yeah. what's that initial CPM price? And then um, you want to times, you know, so take maybe the last 10 videos, or if you're a newer creator, make, uh, at least three videos if you can. Get yeah. your average view count. Uh, you want to ideally do it uh, after the 90-day mark, so you have a full right uh, duration of views and you don't want to limit yourself. Uh, but starting out, right, maybe 30, but, but ideally 90. Get your average view count of your first three videos. Uh, divide that by 1,000 and then times that by 25. Whatever that price is, I would recommend... Uh, setting up for the long term times that by 0.8. So 80% of that value, you're giving mm-hmm. the brand deal. So that's what I would say is your fixed ad price to start out. Got with. it. And then, um, you know, I would recommend too when you negotiate your first deal, um, recommend at least three ads on the first because, uh, right, they're all creative platforms. You want to give uh, the most impressions, right, the number of opportunities for that brand to be recognized through your content not just mm-hmm. a one, one shot opportunity. So uh, figure out that first ad, times it by three, and that would be your initial maybe fixed package. Gotcha. Uh, variable component works uh, really in two ways. The first is performance by views, and the second is a commission structure. So let's say um, you know you're, uh, through your CPM, your ad price for an episode is $1,000. So you say, hey guys, let's start this first brand deal uh, 3,000 fixed to start for three ads at 1,000 apiece, plus past a certain viewpoint. So let's say your videos normally get 50K views on average, but you want to add an extra kicker for higher performance and say, well, let's say my video surpasses 75K views. Between 75K view and 200K view, I yep. get an extra cent for every view, right? So that's paid for performance. You gotcha. can get really creative with how you set up your terms. Um, it, it usually starts with views, and um, there's ways that you want to um, not uh, really cap uh, or, or uh, limit right your, your your upside, right? So certain sure. brands are open to um, infinite deals, right? If if the pay structure is fair, um, so gotcha. figuring out what view performance is, give them um, a high upside kicker, and then uh, offer right to times that by a cent, half a cent. Um, yeah, it's really working out that math. And then mm. the second option within variable is commission structure. So uh, if your audience really has a lot of time with you, I think this is where it becomes more of a strategic choice of um, you know what will perform better for revenue-based reasons versus um, 
the goal should, from a creator standpoint, in my mind, uh, really should be um, to, to focus on getting that brand ROI for the um, mm-hmm. ROI for the brand. That will always serve you in every capacity for generating revenue, for keeping them happy, for generating great relationships, um, and that comes back to commission structure. It's something that the brand will always favor. Um, and this is where you know the negotiation standpoint of hey, maybe you start with that fixed again, three K, three ads to start, and then um, uh, let's say after three uh, K is recouped through the sales of the fixed, right. let's say the the ads make. 6k in revenue so double what the brand paid for of right. that meaning 3k uh we get 10 percent of sales uh hmm. well, you that's know that's interesting yeah you know all, all negotiable right 10 percent, 20 percent. and what i would really recommend as you get more sophisticated with this is um you know within that variable of views mm-hmm. figure out really know your data to understand that yeah. there are tiers in which you can offer these uh brands that they love to hear same with commissions Maybe um, you know the first extra five k after they recouped revenue, you get ten percent. That's tier one, but then tier two could be twenty percent, and tier three can be five. If you're generating a revenue three uh, x ROI, theoretically, there's no limit to what you can ask for. That's when these deals get really, really creative. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I know we kind of went all kinds of yeah, but deep. But uh, coming up, uh, yeah, fixed. And variable fix, figure out your CPM price, figure out your your ad slot price, and then within variable, um, figure out you know what pay uh, per view could be like uh, if you had a certain view threshold, and then also what commission tiers could be like if you have confidence that you'll be able to deliver that ROI for the brand. Got it. I love that. Um, it just it makes it so much more creative that than outside of just to, instead of just being inside of the CPM box of like, well, I get a thousand views or I get twenty thousand views per video. And now I gotta like, yeah, I'm just gonna price based on CPMs or or cost per acquisition. I never heard of like the like bonus performance bonus with views, which makes a ton of sense. Um, and as well as like just charging on top of like getting a commission ba- uh, after they recoup their investment. So it shows that like you're interested in helping them a one recoup their investment, make sure they get a good, make sure they get at least their, you know uh, they like zero out their their spend, but also on top of that like you can actually, you know, you can make money, they can make money. So I love that thinking. Um, it's definitely enlightening for me. Uh, one of the things that came up for me when you were saying that, because this channel I have is small. Um, and we've got a lot of, I've got a lot of clients we worked with that are smaller, maybe medium sized or even larger creators. At what point does it make sense for a creator to go after or to even focus on um, getting brand deals? Is there a minimum threshold where it's it's it should be on the table and you have to work up to that or is it from day one i'm at a place now and in, in looking at youtube now intimately for probably close to five years with brand deals um mm-hmm. and just uh, to, to wrap up the last question part of the part of the um way we figured out all the options to structure and present deals was because I came from a different world. I came from management consulting. I started working with Tom and he's like, hey, we need to make revenue. Mm. So just help me figure all this stuff out because he had never done it either. So I, I didn't actually know what the rules were. I literally right. just you know, talked to the brands, we'd listen, and then we just kind of figure out solutions on the fly, which um, I recommend that approach at every stage as a creator because um, you know things can always be negotiated, presented that, that don't already exist. It's all about creating value for the other side. And if you can do that, um, effectively for them, uh, people are open. You know, I would say, when can you start 
monetizing. Start monetizing when you truly believe you have a hundred devout people following your YouTube content. I would say it's less about subscribers, comments, views, how many videos. When you feel through the engagement, through the videos, through whatever other communication platforms you have in connection with your uh, yeah. podcast, YouTube, et cetera, you have a hundred truly devout people following you. Because I think what it really comes down to, again, is is helping the brand generate um, exposure and sales. And yeah. so once you have a hundred, if you run a really great ad with a brand that makes sense, it's reasonable to think at least 10% would entertain the offer, right? And if that's right. the case, it doesn't matter if you've got 500 people following. If they're truly devout, uh, there are people who have 20K people, maybe with just maybe 10 or 20, right? Uh, yeah. You never really know. And I think with the where the rubber meets the road is how many people uh, really devoutly follow your content. And then I would say more of a uh, kind of a, pinpoint view within YouTube from a subscriber standpoint would be 10K. Um, okay. That's the that's the more that YouTube also has for some of their own monetization plays. Uh, but I also think it's a good barometer of, hey, you don't hit 10K unless you've done a certain amount of work on YouTube, just in terms of yeah. learning how it works. Yeah. Uh, but, but at the same time, right, again, I, I wouldn't limit it. If, if you already feel like you've got uh, people who are about your content, your message, uh, mm -hmm. I would say, you know, figure out your first 100. But if you haven't done necessarily that analysis, you're already at 10K, go for it because both YouTube and the brand would recognize it. Got it. Love it. Now, um, me being uh, an email I, I, an email guy, so when I came into like coming out of college and, and getting into online marketing and stuff, uh, email marketing was the, was the bee's knees. It was like where people were making 500K a week if they did a big affiliate promo. Um, how much of a factor is email if at all, in these brand deals? Like, do they look at that? Do they see that as valuable? Is that even bigger or more important than views? I'm curious to get your thoughts on like how that's priced out. Um, and if certain niches consider that more more or less valuable. Absolutely. So it's still live and well. In fact, um, for many creators beyond their sponsorships, if they are driving traffic to any products, promos, et cetera, uh, email, what I you know read and learn from a lot of people's content is still one of their best drivers uh, of, uh, from a conversion standpoint. So um, similar to you, right? What really kind of got me hooked into learning more about this creative space was reading tons of creators' emails because I just yeah. I really uh, just admired that um, that um, really learning experience that kind of could read at your own pace. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as brand deals go, brands are absolutely interested in it. But I would say, they're less evolved in how to structure that themselves. Got so uh, again, right through one of our mutual friends, they were amazing because they had experience through all uh, different type of advertising plays, but our focus was on YouTube. So maybe that was the, uh, the gateway to having the conversation. But what we were able to do, right, is really structure around, hey, if you don't have an email already, here's how we can set it up. Or if you do, these are potential ways to structure it. Uh, again, I would start with that mindset of a fixed and variable approach. So if you already have, so, so I think uh, just to take a step back, here's how I would start. Let's say you've landed a brand deal, but yeah. you know there's more opportunity for the brand on the table. Present to them, hey, I have X amount of people also reading my email every single day, month, insert your cadence, right? Mm. Uh, that's where it starts is X amount of people pay attention to the message that we put forth. 
So in addition, if I was able to mention the brand, write an uh, you know, anecdotal uh, usage story, uh, write, create video within the email itself to, to represent the brand, et cetera, right. uh, you know, take the amount of people that read your content and then uh, maybe take the average sale of uh, the brand's bestseller and times that by 0.25. And that's an approximate value you could get for every user um, times by the product. And then the other uh, piece of information is you'd want to times that by your conversion rate on any email campaign that you've run. So you can give the brand an idea of what they can expect, assuming like, they're fit, right? Gotcha. So open rates, click-through rates, just under factoring factoring that in. When you say conversion, mean, yeah, you mean click-through? Okay. Uh, 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 oh. So click-through actually definitely helps too. Um, so the more precise you can get, amazing, right? Because you can give the brand a, an understanding of how many people are going to open. But I would say taking that jump down to if you have ever run any type of promo on your email to begin with, what is the conversion rate that you've seen through those promos? I, I would say use the uh, the open rate, right, the click-through rate um, for how many people open and actually interact with anything in your email. That can also serve. If you have all three, that's amazing, right? You can be more precise and, and strategic right. how you present the offer. But that's really, I would say, how you evaluate, hey, what is this worth? Um, that that's option one. Option two is, hey, come up with that commission affiliate structure again. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say you can be a lot more aggressive within an email standpoint because, in my opinion, generating an email audience is a little bit tougher solely from the standpoint of, yeah, um, yeah right. There's so many elements on YouTube to intrigue a, a potential subscriber. On email, essentially, you have to be an effective writer to that person. So if you've done that, right, I, I would say, right. Uh, Somewhere between thirty to fifty percent commissions uh, is something that you present to the brand, and what we like to call them is you know the three hundred and sixty deals. So it starts with YouTube, but the more individual tentacles of your ad value package that you can offer and be thoughtful yeah. to, brands are are open to them. But uh, I would say don't assume that they're going to come to you with that. Take you have to uh, and assume, right. uh, and, and present how it can be done what the value would be to them and what the potential conversions could be. Um, and I think you'll see some cool things happen. Love it. No, I love that approach. Um, and it's the mindset of like the 360 deal. There's a lot on the table, but they don't know it. You have to present it to them because they don't know your open rates. They don't know the size of your list. They don't even know you have a list properly um, or anything else, right? Maybe you have a Facebook group or a Discord channel. So I think these are these are hugely important components. Now, uh, Sean, I've got two more questions for you, man. And these are, these are going to be fun. And then... Um, curious to hear any thoughts you've got after this, but what are some of the niches that you see brands paying exponentially or just increasingly more money to creators than others? Like, are there certain like niches that you've worked with or seen where like just the cost, the CPMs are higher and things are just generally higher. And I don't know what the reason would be, but I'm curious to hear what those niches are and if you've seen them. There are two that jump out to me now working with just a a big brand uh, or just a like a whole host of creators. The first is health is just like a fitness and health is a niche where especially brands that are on their early stage growth phase. So let's say between year one, their first year and the first three years. Uh, I remember, right. uh, Just like as an example, right. Working with athletic greens, the amount of money that, they were willing to spend on any creator that they had eyed in the marketplace mm-hmm. uh, was, I would say, 
two to three times higher than the average CPM that um, you're taught right in the industry on how to evaluate right. yourself. And I think what comes with that is an understanding of your brand that's looking to differentiate yourself. And to do that, it starts by getting creators who are differentiating themselves in the market. That's the first the first standpoint of differentiation. The way they do that with a lot of creators is through their pricing structure. Because at the higher up you go in the um, influencer advertising space, a lot yep. of it really comes down to what is the value of the money in exchange for time. And I think they're a great example of, of someone who did that. Um, but in addition, right, I see so many health brands that have really, really aggressive targets uh, every year, but especially within their first few years to really make a bang. Um, so the amount of money as well as amount of effort and time they'll put into providing assets to create, um, the whole package itself, I think is pretty yeah. high. So, so health is definitely the first. I'd say the second is maybe lifestyle and education. And so, um, okay, again, so uh, like skills, a Skillshare, absolutely. Okay, gotcha. Skillshare, um, Audible example, right? These uh, yeah. Audible, right, is one of those brands that already had the the backing from Amazon. So, I, I'll yeah. put them in a separate category. But Skillshare is an example of a company that literally just decided we're going to go after everyone. And so, yeah. uh, right. And uh, there was a certain time where I truly questioned, like, how can you guys afford to do this? Yeah. <laughs> Later standpoint, like we're doing right. Like we're confident our ads and our value and we're going to continue raising the bar. But I'm curious to see from a, right, a brand standpoint, are you going to continue to to roll with us as we grow? Yeah. So, yeah. And they did. Um, so, you know, I think it's, uh, I saw that with, uh, you know, definitely with Skillshare, a number of other brands in education. Um, so I think, you know, as you look at these two niches in particular, they're one that always evolving, always growing, new information and new ways of digesting that content um, comes in. And I think what you also see with the creators, they find new intimate ways also to, to showcase their lifestyle within that realm. So yep. now within health and fitness, right? Everything from exactly what they're eating to them actually eating it to, to every yep. rep in their workout, right? There's just a whole lot that you can show within that lifestyle package that the brands latch onto and it's really valuable, meaningful content for uh, the viewer too. I love that. Okay, cool. So you got lifestyle and education, like Skillshare type brands, and then you had the health and wellness athletic greens examples where in that growth phase at one to maybe three years, they are actually, they're really happy, not happy, but they're like aggressive with the amount of money they can spend and put into a creator where normally that's not the case, right? Got it. Love it. Last one, Sean, and then um, I want to make sure people know where they can find Beyond Consulting and just connect with you. If you personally were, you know, you had a YouTube channel, maybe it's about brand deals, uh, which I think would be a great, a great pod, great episode or great um, channel, by the way. And this kind of maybe circulates back to our first question, but you're new to the space. You've got a new YouTube channel. What are you doing? Like, where are you going online to find sponsorship deals. And I want to specifically kind of ask around, like, how do you, how do you reach out to them first? If they don't know you, you're a new creator, you know, you like them, they've been on your radar. What does that outreach look like? And then what kind of offer are you putting on the table as a new creator to get them to say yes and get your first brand deal? Absolutely. Loaded question, but it's a, it's, it is a loaded question, but I love it, Lewis. Yeah. Thank you for asking, because I'm hoping that this will provide a lot of um, just direction and, and value to, to folks looking to either get more or land their first brand deal. So mm. I recommend is this, 
start taking inventory. Unfortunately, in the world of sponsorships, there isn't a one to uh, there isn't a um, a centralized hub. There's a lot of agencies. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, brand representation. There's a lot of places to potentially go. What I would recommend is sideswipe all that to start. Their good is maybe secondary or tertiary, but start with actually going to the platform. So what I mean is, if you're looking to get your first brand deal on YouTube, write an Excel spreadsheet and do in your first column put one through a hundred, and in your next column search a hundred brands and creators within your niche. Either you know the show name or you know the creator's name. And if you don't know their name, then type in those keywords one at a time. So if it's health, type in health to start or type in a health concept and then just see what shows come up. Um, a lot of shows now, right, uh, are at the point where they um, advertise openly when they have a promo in. And just of those, it'll take maybe about 20 to 30 minutes. But of those, you can filter out by most recent. You can see of these videos, which have sponsors in this category. And yeah. for me personally, I think that's the most strategic, straightforward way to start. If I'm a creator doing fitness videos, let me type in health. Let me figure out all the newest content, not maybe yeah. necessarily things I watch. That's a good starting point too. Write that on the list, but really start with a completely objective approach. Let me see everything that's out there. And then of those, which of those videos are sponsored and by which brands. Do that list, get your 100 to start. After you do that, either on the website, they will list who the partnership manager is, who should be your target, right? Uh, director of partnerships, affiliate manager, right? Uh, these keywords right. definitely be their title to, to give you okay. the direct decision maker or someone within their team. And then after you figure out their name, uh, you can also get that on LinkedIn if you can't get it from the website. There's a number of tools out there to help you get the email. Uh, I recommend hunter.io. should help you get anyone's email at any company. Um, if you don't want to use that, or uh, if you're limited on searches, you don't want to use their paid, DMs yeah. work too. Um, so it, it's really just taking step by step, right? It's, you know, figure out which brands do it um, based on, you know, last 30 days off of the platform itself. And then within those companies, figure out who the manager is uh, and then reach out to them directly via email or DM. And then I would say in your messaging, how do you get a response? Well, that, we could do a whole episode on that, but I would say to really <laughs> cut through, right? Cut through. The most important tip I would say is they want to know two things. One, that you know what the brand is about and you can deliver uh, ROI. Mm. And two, that you're truly communicating from their standpoint. Meaning, yes, if uh, let's put ourselves in the mind of creator. You want to make revenue, right? You want to get a brand deal. Uh, those are amazing things. But at the end of the day, what the brand creator cares about is managing X amount of shows and creators, doing it with a certain budget and maximizing ROI. That's really a lot of what their mindset comes down to. So mm -hmm. any way that you can communicate that and making that a reality to them with ease will get your response. Um, mm -hmm. There's titles. There's a lot of ways to communicate that stuff that you know we could talk about maybe in the future or happy to provide yeah. links to good stuff. But but remember that mindset of uh, frame it from their benefit. You know that they're looking to get an amazing devout creator and help them maximize ROI. So the sooner that you can help them understand that you're the person to do that, communicate mm -hmm. that in your message and ask just for that initial touch point on email to talk it out or a quick meeting and then go from there. Um, I, I would structure out the deal until you really talk to them, but all yeah. those steps should get you uh, leads and opportunities, no doubt. Just want to say, wow. Okay. Sort of like the step-by-step -step thoughtfulness of that was really, really impressive, dude. Thank you so much, Sean. How do you work with 
brands and creators. Just so people who are wondering, uh, watch this and just curious as to where you come in and how you support and then where can they find you? Absolutely. So I work with uh, both brands and creators uh, from a consultative capacity. So what that means uh, for the brands is uh, I partner with you directly uh, on a monthly basis to understand, one, are you doing YouTube partnerships at all to date? Uh, if you are, how can you be doing it better? Uh, a lot of that really comes back to a diagnostic of exactly what they're doing, who they're doing it with, and how they're pricing, how they're structuring a lot of variables. Mm-hmm. But um, no one is ever doing a perfect job. That's the beauty of this of course. Uh, yeah. um, this industry and this space is so much of it still is being uncovered right, and discovered by, by both brands and creators. So that's where I see beyond and really my role is being uh, really fun rewarding because it's important for me to take a, a consultative, uh, quantitative too, and straightforward approach for both sides to create great deals and make the things happen for long term. Uh, so I help uh, brand deals, right, acquire spa, uh, the YouTubers and then also structure uh, good deals for the long term. And then from the standpoint of the YouTuber is uh, if you're looking for help to connect with brands and get more brand deals, uh, we also have a branch of our company that focuses on, on partnering with you directly on that piece. Um, so it's been you know very, very rewarding. I've seen a lot of growth throughout the platform. I've seen both a lot of brands and creators go through uh, just really amazing uh, yeah, opportunities and, and growth periods. Uh, if you want to learn more, uh, you can check me out on my website at bconsulting.net. You can also find us on LinkedIn uh, or also, um, you know, you can uh, DM me on Instagram. So yeah, feel free to reach out. But best place to go for uh, all the centralized information, bconsulting.net. Got it. B-E, B-E, then consulting.net, right? Because I know I, I could see myself typing in the letter B and then consulting, which is different. Got it. Sean, thank you so much, dude. I really appreciate your insights and just expertise on this and um, appreciate your time. Thank you, Liz. Appreciate Hey, Lewis again. I hope you enjoyed that episode and I hope you took something away that's going to help you on your journey towards launching a top ranking podcast that get 100,000 listeners or more, ideally more. Now, remember the focus of this show is to help business owners launch podcasts that add more profit to their bottom line and more authority and credibility to their name. That's what we're about here on this podcast. Now, if that's you and you want help launching your podcast and getting it to rank in the top 100 of your category or your money back, then maybe my team and I can help you. But hold on. I do not want you to take my word for it. We all know that you can go on YouTube and learn how to launch a podcast. You can hire a million different companies and freelancers and consultants to help you. So I'd rather you hear from other business owners just like you who have gone through our process, gotten the results, and love what they have built. Check it out. Once I hired Lewis, he helped organize the entire show, the pre-launch, the contest. We had an epic contest, which is all Lewis is masterminding and uh, his whole organization of how to do that. We had over 107,000 entries into this contest. If you're thinking about doing a podcast, don't think twice because the investment is worth tenfold, not two or threefold, tenfold, tenfold for what you invest with Lewis. Only a matter of a few weeks, the podcast got launched. They also supported me through the entire launching process, how to communicate with my audience to maximize the results. And when it did launch within a few days, 
uh, we made it to the top 50 in two different countries. Uh, we get about 25,000 downloads a month and the podcast has literally completely changed my business. My podcast right now has 10x my business and that's not an exaggeration. When I started working with Lewis, I was making about 40K a month. Right now my business is making $400,000 a month and I credit a lot of that to the podcast. And then when they listen to one episode of the podcast, they'll listen to another episode of the podcast and then that cold lead will turn into a warm lead that turns into a hot lead that becomes my customer. Right now I have 775 active clients and a lot of those people found us because of the podcast. Luis Diaz is the man. He knows exactly what he's talking about when it comes to starting a podcast. He knows exactly what he's talking about in terms of getting your podcast to 100,000 downloads. Because right now my podcast has over 225,000 downloads and it's been about a year and seven months. I didn't just want to do a podcast. I wanted to do it the right way. We are at number two in the parenting category of Apple Podcasts the week that we launched. We're now hanging tight in the top 25. Could not have done any of this without your assistance, Lewis. Literally, I keep asking Lewis, like, how can I give you more money? Like, what else can we do together? Because literally working with you has changed my life. It's changed my podcast. It's bigger than that. It's changed my business. Lewis Diaz, badass podcast growth expert.